Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks, to say the least, that you are a, a world changer. I mean, you created it, you formed it, you spoke it into existence. You created a race of people called humanity for the sake of fellowship. And I just want to give you thanks afresh today, Father, for your strength. And in the name of Jesus, we do pray those prayers from the Pauline epistles. We thank you, Father. We pray that you would strengthen each of us with might by your spirit in our inner man so that we might walk worthy of you unto all good pleasing, and that we might be fruitful in this land. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing. We ask for you to quicken every individual. Quicken, the word means make alive. We pray that you quicken every individual in this building this morning. Quicken them in the name of Jesus. Teach them, take some of the words that are spoken, and cause them to turn keys in their life, in their heart, that change things. And anything that you do, everything that you do only produces good because you're altogether good. You're altogether lovely. But we thank you, Father, for greater revelation of just some of the strategy that you've laid out for the body of Christ to see your kingdom be made manifest in the flesh. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks. Amen. Amen? Okay. I've got a PowerPoint thing with a bunch of text. I think all I'm going to do is read it. But let me read one verse, and then because we'll, we're going to be going back to it. Never trust a preacher that doesn't read from the Bible. Amen? But to make a long story short, um, it's been a lot. I don't think in, since we've been in the church, I've never, ever actually taught on interse- intercession, intercessory prayer. And yet that's the thing that my Christian experience was birthed from. Judy's as well. My very first, again, many of you will remember me sharing this, my very first ministry position I was actually ever given that was strange, particularly in those days, 33 years ago, was when, you know, this church in my hometown, they hired me, the pastor hired me and salaried me as an intercessor. I was paid to pray five days a week, five hours a day. And, and that's tough. I mean, you may think, gosh, all you did is sit around. <laughs> no. When, when you've got a couple of thousand people in the church and you have all these prayer requests coming in, um, there's a sense of responsibility that's just huge. And I'm not going to go into all that because, again, uh, there's too many stories we can tell. But I'm just trying to say that Rob, you know, all of it, anybody that got saved, you were saved through the prayers of somebody. That's just the way it is. If you don't know it now, you'll know it when you get to heaven. Somebody. Um, I Julie and I, when we're driving around sometimes, I see a child in particular. I get moved when I see little children, I think, you know, and especially when you can see that their parents aren't possibly the best kind of folks. But, you know, we just stretch our hand out for a moment and just speak life and speak destiny and say, Father, please reveal yourself to this child in the name of Jesus as soon as possible. Keep, protect, guide this child. And I often wonder who might have prayed that for me. You know, when I was a child, somebody else that just knew God and just stretched their hand out. You have no idea who you affect 
this is why, again, you have to be watchful. You, you need to be watchful and prayerful, prayerful people because God will always, always allow you to do things just like that. In fact, you have to understand the most powerful prayers on earth are selfless prayer. In other words, prayers that are for somebody else. Uh, prayers for yourself are very few in the Bible, to say the least. They're called prayers of petition. But real prayer, when it's all said and done, at least 98% of it, it's something for the good of someone else, not for the good of yourself. That's because of God's laws of sowing and reaping. You really find throughout Scripture, when you really study prayer and study intercession, that God brings victory, like in the book of Job, at the end of the book of Job. God brings victory to you when you pray for others. Somebody, thank you, I appreciate it. Say amen again, Sheila. I'll preach to you, okay? But anyhow, so, uh, but intercession is a different animal from prayer. It is prayer, but it's a whole other level of prayer. I mean, even in the Greek, the major word used in the Bible for prayer is intuxis, E-N-T-U-E-X-I-S. But intercession is hooper, H-U-P-R, higher plane. It's a higher plane of prayer. And like I said, I, I'm, so for the next week, several weeks, that every Sunday that I have opportunity until I'm told otherwise, we're going to go back and really look at the heart of what intercession does and what it is, how to recognize it, and actually how to recognize whether or not God may ever use you as an intercessor. And I'll say from the beginning, not trying to freak anybody out, I, I, while I think we can all intercede, uh, it's very, very seldom that you find somebody who's been an intercessor because of what the Bible, how the Bible actually entertains or how the Bible actually uh, defines an intercessor. And the main verse for that is in Isaiah 62 where God says to take hold of the Holy One and give him no rest it says in the King James, give, it, give him no rest until Jerusalem be established. But the spirit, the life behind that verse, if you can catch it, he said, you take hold of the Holy One. And one translation says, and give him no rest until the job is done. And intercession is something that's supernatural. Now, don't freak out, everybody, all of you that love to pray. Uh, it's just that, you know, because sometimes I don't want us to battle over semantics and over words. But there's all the difference in the world between a prayer warrior, as it were, what we like to call him, and somebody who actually becomes an intercessor. In Scripture, you'll always find them as singular people that were given, as it were, a mission, an assignment that they saw out. I, with, with humility, I will say I've been used as an intercessor that I know of three times in my life. It was where... I woke up with it. I woke up with this, and it wasn't a burden because the Bible says you should no longer say it's the burden of the Lord. But it's this assignment that's on you. You wake up with it. You go to bed. You wish you could get rid of it, but you can't. It's something that's just there. It strikes your spirit so strongly, so hard. There's a compassion that's beyond your human compassion that begins to engage you and embrace you and take a hold of you, and you, you don't know what to do with it. I read Julia quote the other day that during the next few Sundays, I'll find it again for you, but I forget who it was. It was Jonathan Edwards, one of the American reformers. He said, intercession, true intercession, he said, will cost you much, but you will be blessed from it, but it will cost you much. 
because of what you go through. So we'll talk in the next few weeks. We'll look at what it really means to stand in a gap. We'll talk about what a gap really is. And uh, most people, when they find out what a gap really is, uh, don't want to stand there. <laughs> Hallelujah, because what wants to come through it. But nevertheless, because of the time this morning, I'm going to just read. This is uh, an art. I don't really even remember. I was looking through all my old notes on my computer <clears throat> from stuff, because remember, that's all Julie and I taught on over here. We've been here, well, I've been here over 32 years now, 33 years. <clears throat> and we came here, and we, all we did was teach on prayer for 30 years, you know, and the prayer summits and all the things that we did around the nation. But anyhow, <clears throat> so if we could go ahead and put up this. But let me make this statement first, but then we'll put up the first slide. This is notes of mine from a long time ago that I wrote um, from studies. But let's rem remember this basic truth. I don't care what the, the topic of study is, and I know that you've heard it, but I want you to hear it again. Faith begins, real faith, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, you won't really be able to, quote, have faith for something or have faith toward something until you know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know it is the will of God, like healing or any other thing. You have to know, is it? Do I hope so? See, if you hope so, hope isn't faith. Hope is beautiful. Hope is important. It's joyful expectation of the future is the word. But faith is a whole other thing. But faith begins where the will of God is known. So this is why we're going to look at Scripture and look about intercession, what God says about the prayers of intercession, so that hopefully we can build your faith afresh so that we can cause you to really have a, a, sound, a sound foundation in your spirit, in your life, so that you know, okay, listen, I am actually functioning according to divinely given strategy. In other words, you'll have more faith in your prayers. Your prayers aren't heard for the abundance of speaking, is it? Is it? No, your prayers are heard just because of the fact you have faith. Excuse me for juggling all around this morning. So I can't get fixed. Now, let me just read this. So, uh, Dom, if you can put up this first slide. Just text, but I want you to have this as we start, just to, to start this morning. Yep. The biblical basis, this again, I just wrote this a long time ago. The biblical basis for the New Testament believers' ministry of intercessory prayer is our calling as priests unto God. In other words, it starts there. You really have a revelation of prayer. You have to know that God's called us as his priests. The word of God declares that we are a holy priesthood. 1 Peter 5, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, 4. A royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9. And a kingdom of priests in Revelation 1, 5. The background for understanding this calling to priestly intercession is found in the Old Testament example of the Levitical priesthood. I want you to really catch these simple statements. The priest's responsibility was to stand before and between. Would you just say that with me? Before and between? Before and between. I want you to catch those two words because this is, what, this is the pattern. Everything God does, he does according to a pattern that's based upon a principle. 
Everything that God does, he does according to a pattern that you find in Scripture. And it's based upon a principle that you find in Scripture. Anyhow, I'm reading the background for understanding this calling to priestly intercession is found in the Old Testament. Example of the Levitical priesthood. The priest's responsibility was to stand before and between. He stood before God to minister to him with sacrifices and offerings. But then the priest also stood between a righteous God and sinful man, bringing them together at the place of the sacrifice, of the blood sacrifice. In other words, like other pastors that I worked with, one have you, this is what we, you know, we try to communicate. You have no right to stand before the people and represent God until first you've been before God on behalf of the people. Amen? Did you really hear me? I just want, we're going to start right at ground level. We're called to be before God before we're ever before man. Because again, otherwise you'll go in your talent. And your talent can take you for a while. But when you come up to things that are spiritual strongholds, blockages, hurdles, hindrances, that's where you need something that's beyond your talent. That's when you find that you come to the end of your talent is where the Holy Spirit then kicks in and you begin to see the supernatural because you've gone as far as you could in the natural. So we're before God. Third paragraph Hebrews 7, 11 through 19, I could, we could go there, but it explains the difference between the Old and the New Testament ministries to the priest. The Old Testament Levitical priesthood was passed on from generation to generation through the descendants of the tribe of Levi. But the Melchizedek, what we call today the Melchizedek priesthood, spoken of in Hebrews, is the new order of spiritual priests of, of whom the Lord Jesus is the high priest. It's passed on to us through his blood and our spiritual birth as new creatures, new creations in Christ Jesus. Okay? Next paragraph, intercessory prayer. Jesus Christ is our model for intercessory prayer. Jesus stands before God and between him and sinful man. Right? Right? Just look at it again. Before we go any further, let me just say this. The call to intercession, this is what I called Brother Hagin all those years ago. He wrote a book called The Art of Intercession because it is, it could be called an art form. Because again, it's, it's anybody can paint, but then there are some true artists that have incredible skills. And again, see, I don't, I got to be so careful because God wants us all to be people of prayer. But anybody can pray. But intercession is a choice. And there's a difference between just praying because you, you know it's the right thing to do. And this particular thing, this function of real intercession, when something comes upon you and you realize God's giving you an assignment. Anyhow, but we're looking at this. I'll read, that, I'll read the first of that again. Jesus Christ is our model for intercessory prayer. Jesus stands before God and between him and sinful man, just as the Old Testament priest did. Here's some scriptures. For there is one God and one mediator or intercessor between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 
that in Romans it says, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And then this incredible verse here in Hebrews 7.25, speaking of Jesus, says, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost, hallelujah, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. It's a wonderful thing when you study that out in the languages. Because a lot of people say that, you know, Jesus gave his life for us. That's true. But when you really see this, it says that he is continually, he is at the right hand of God right now giving. In other words, it's a continuous work. He's giving of his life for you right now. He is your advocate. It's, it's a wonderful thing just to study sometimes what advocacy means. You know, to have an attorney that's in your ballpark, to have somebody by your side. And this is who Jesus was, and this is who Jesus is. Jesus, think about it, lest we think the, the ministry or the office of intercessor is something small. Think about the fact that the, the, the ministry, the reason Jesus Christ came to this earth was to stand before fallen man and what hell had done, what Satan had done, and what God is providing. He came to the earth as an intercessor to stand in the gap between the death, hell, and the grave that Adam and Eve gave up to them, to Satan. While he was on the earth for 33 and a half years, he lived as an intercessor, doing the very thing, praying, constantly going up to the mount, spending hours, spending all night in prayer. And today, right now, 2016, he is still seated at the right hand of God where he still is making intercession. But an interesting thing there, again, we'll cover in weeks to come, where he ever lives to make intercession. And that's going to be catchy later because the issue you have to ask yourself, it says he ever lives to. It doesn't necessarily mean he is doing it right now. Because, again, in the office of advocate and attorney, the attorney, before he can turn to the judge, has to have some evidence from the person he's trying to protect. Do you hear me? Sadly, I've had experience in courtrooms. I don't know, my attorney, I had to give him information so that he could fight my case for me. Jesus sits at the right hand of God where he ever lives to make intercession. And this comes down to having a knowledge of the word of God, to learn how to pray the word of God. The understanding that you're the one that has to enable him, as it were. God has done many things. Many of us have been mightily blessed by his mercies that we do not deserve. But again, God wants us to mature past being little children to uh, adult sons and daughters of God. As many as are led of the Spirit, they are the adult sons of God, the weos of God, as opposed to just children. Adults, mature. And all this comes from that kind of a revelation, knowing what Jesus needs so that he can turn to heaven. I mean, there is, there is a heavenly system of justice up there. You know, it is a court. Anyhow. Next paragraph. Jesus brings sinful man and a righteous God together at the place of the blood sacrifice for sin. But now no longer is the blood of animals necessary as it was in the Old Testament. We can now approach God on the basis of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary for the remission of sins. And because of the blood of Jesus, we can approach God 
boldly without timidity, Hebrews 4. It's an incredible passage. I mean, it's still amazing to really stop and, again, not just sometimes glibly read over, but to actually comprehend that we can come boldly because of the blood of Jesus, because of us having faith in him and his life, knowing that his right standing, his righteousness has been imputed to me, knowing that his level of holiness has been ascribed to us by virtue of our faith in him and his holiness. You know, it is, it is the mind-blowing goodness of God that takes a long time to really respond to him completely because we're so indoctrinated with guilt and with shame and with wanting condemnation to be something that we should walk in. Anyhow, but we get to approach the very throne of God boldly to receive, it says in the Hebrew, it says, remember, even in the Amplified, to receive love gifts from him. Hallelujah. Next prayer of Jesus was an intercessor while he was here on earth. He ministered to those who were sick and possessed by demons. He prayed for his disciples. He even prayed for you and me when he interceded for all those who would believe on him, John 17. That, the true Lord's Prayer. Lord, that they might be one with me, even as I am one with you, and so on. John 17, again, is a passage of scripture that you should read over and over and over and over again, because it is Jesus' prayer to the Father. And then the good thing to do is ask yourself a question. I wonder if the Father answered Jesus' prayer. And hopefully you'll say, yeah, just maybe. (laughs) Okay. Jesus was an intercessor. While he was here on earth, he ministered to those who were sick and possessed by demons. He prayed for his disciples. He even prayed for you and me when he interceded for all those who would believe on him. Jesus continued his ministry of intercession after his death and resurrection when he returned to heaven, and he now serves as our intercessor in heaven, as I already said. Next paragraph. In intercessory prayer, we follow the Old Testament priestly function and the New Testament pattern of Jesus standing before God and between a righteous God and sinful man. In order to be effective standing between, we must first stand before. I'm going to read it again anyhow. In intercessory prayer, we follow the Old Testament priestly function and the New Testament pattern of Jesus. We stand before God and between a righteous God and sinful man. In other words, when you're interceding, you know, to the literal word, we'll go through word meanings, the difference between the word in the Greek and the word in the, in the Old Testament. But one of the basic meanings in both means to go before a king. It simply means to go before a king, but always in behalf of another. This is why, if that be true, always in behalf of another, and you see, sometimes people disagree with me when I say this, if intercession, by virtue of the very word, when you break it down, when you inter something, when somebody dies, they're interred and seed to give something over to, it, it literally means that you can't intercede for yourself. You can pray for yourself, but intercession is something else. Anyhow. Numbers 14, and we'll go to this, Monday, please come in. 
is one of the greatest accounts of intercessory prayer recorded in the Bible. Moses was able to stand between God and sinful man because he had stood before God, him, and had developed intimacy of communication. Numbers 12.8 records that God spoke with Moses as a friend to friend and not through visions and dreams as he did with other prophets. As New Testament believers, we no longer sacrifice animals as in the Old Testament times. How many of you are glad of that? I, I, next, Okay, let's put it this way. Next Sunday, I want each of you to bring a lamb, um, and I want f- 10 of you to bring a bull, okay? Hallelujah. We'll have Jason, and we'll have Mike come up here and split their throats, and I'll, we'll get a Bobby because she's like one of the head cha-chas back there. We'll get Bobby and Emmanuel to hold giant bowls to catch all the blood. Amen? It'll be a good service. You won't forget it. You'll come, and then, the, but the best part's yet to come because I get to have this little thing, you know, hyssop. I have to have this thing that's like a piece of flour and weed and stuff like that, and I get to dip it in the blood, and I'll call you all up one by one, and I'll go, <laughs> take the blood. <laughs> It'll be cool. This is why most of you will not wear your Sunday best when you come. We no longer sacrifice animals as in the New Old Testament times. Sorry, I can't get rid of this now. My right leg has gone to sleep, so if I fall over, somebody pray for me, okay? Good Lord, my leg's actually asleep. This is fun. You're going to get to pray for me in a minute. <laughs> I've got my wife. She's my intercessor. As New Testament believers, we no longer sacrifice animals. As in Old Testament times, we stand before the Lord to offer up spiritual sacrifices of what? Praise. I said praise. This is why mechanical worship doesn't do anything for God. You hear me? This is why lifting your hands because somebody tells you to has nothing to do with whether or not you worship God. When it's all said and done, I'm not trying to be mean, but when it's all said and done, if you are not a worshiper of home, you're not really a worshiper of church. You may come in and get a blessing here and get a blessing here, you know, like you can't, and you can't, because God, again, he's a God of mercy. But to get to the mother load, it takes you making a personal choice. I'm going to go after God. It's just that simple. I'm simply going to go after God. I don't care what anyone else thinks, does, or otherwise. And you, you, because you begin to learn in your walk with Christ, there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that he asks you to give up, that he doesn't, because of your obedience, give you something else so, so, so much more fulfilling. I, you know, you can't believe it. So once you begin to taste of that, like Scripture says, and you see how good he is, it becomes very easy as a word of quote-unquote, yield your body as a living sacrifice. And just say, Lord, what, whatever, you know, whatever you want. Whatever you want, and mean it. It's easy to say it, but to mean it. And I'm not saying I've achieved this. Julie only knows you know, too well how I fall I short, how short I fall. I can't even talk now. But...
temptation. As New Testament believers, we no longer sacrifice animals as in Old Testament times. We stand before. I want you to just go home with that this morning. We have to stand before, before you can get between. You know what one of the meanings, literally one of the meanings of TWOT, the theological word book of the Old Testament, one of the best study sources there is. Really, I mean, well, like I said, there's all kinds of meanings. One of the meanings of intercession is to kill. But one of the ones that I love so much is to get in the way of. To intercede is to get in the way. And an intercessor gets in the way of hell. And protects a person or situation or allows them a time of rest and peace from the battle so that they can pull pull themselves up by their shoelaces, if you know what I mean. There's all manner of things that happen. God will test you with prayer at times. He'll show you something about someone else that you're supposed to pray for, but he'll demand that you tell no one else. And he'll actually allow you to see. He'll make it so precise. He'll make his instructions to you in prayer and how to pray, the words to say about somebody's situation. They're, they are like words of knowledge sometimes that come in prayer, say the least. He will allow you, but listen to my full statement here. He will allow you to pray for a situation and see it 100% answered, and then he will tell you, you are the one to change this through your faith and your prayers. But then he'll watch and wait to see if you'll keep your mouth shut. Because if you go around telling everybody how hot you are, what a superstar you are at prayer, I prayed for so-and-so, and and God bless them overwhelmingly, then he knows he can't really take you to the next level. And you know all of us have done that when we're young in the Lord, because of course God wants you to be encouraged, and he wants you to he wants people to come up and say, pat you on the back and say, well, that was great. You know how you prayed for that sister last week? God did exactly that. And that's great. There's different things like that. But I'm talking about a whole other level, like I said. Because ultimately, God wants, we are singing the song we haven't sung in a long time. God's our friend. As well as our God. He's our friend. And so friendship is only really proven in times of turmoil. And, uh, there's a lot, a lot more coming. Anyway, it is on the base of this intimate relationship with God that we can then stand between Him and others and serve as an advocate and intercessor in their behalf. My final paragraph. Peter uses two words to describe this priestly ministry: holy and royal. Holiness is required to stand before the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. We are able to do this only on the basis of the righteousness or holiness of Christ, not our own righteousness. Royalty is descriptive of the kingly authority that is then delegated to us as members of the royal family, so to speak, with legitimate access to the throne room of God. Hallelujah. Probably didn't catch that. Two words to describe the priestly ministry, holiness and royal. 
through the blood of Christ and through your acceptance by faith that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he died for you, and having the revelation of blood, then, like Scripture says in Romans, again, his right standing, his holiness, his righteousness is imputed, is deposited into your spirit. And you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then also, it's based upon this fact of royalty. What are you going to do with it? Well, it gives you the freedom. It's your all-access pass to the concert. Anybody here young enough to know what I'm talking about? An all-access pass so I can go behind the stage when Earth, Wind, and Fire is playing? Jimi Hendrix, Steve Stills, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We get to go before royalty, the very king of kings, the Lord of lords, and exercise that authority that's been delegated to us as children of God. And so this is where we're going to go. And I'll just finish with reading the one verse. It's the classic verse out of Isaiah 59. We'll read this whole chapter next week. We all know it. Verse 16, Isaiah 59, 16. Isaiah 59 reads about all the problems that were in the body of Israel, all those ways they've missed it, all the sins they committed, how they were falling so short of what God's will for their life was. And in verse 16, it says, God sees all of this that happens from verse 3 all the way through 15. And God saw this. He said, and he saw that there was no man singular and wondered Everybody say wonder. You know what the word wondered means when you look it up? Look it up in any lexicon. It means, quote, to be stupefied with amazement. Think about it. We're talking about God Almighty is stupefied with amazement that there was no intercessor, no one to intervene on behalf of truth and right. Therefore, his own arm brought him victory, Jesus. And his own righteousness, having the spirit without measure, sustained him. Hallelujah. There's a ton there, but that's what we'll go to next week. So I just want to introduce this because I just know in my spirit, God wants to take us back into the life of intercession, the life of real prayer. So I want you just to meditate on this thing about, again, we are the priests of the Most High God by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, our job is still the same as it was, to go before God. Not just so we can sit there forever and go, this is really neat. But to turn from the throne of God and turn to hell, death, lost people, confusion, and bring the life that we got from the throne room experience to people who needed to see change and to see them saved. Amen? Just that simple. Hallelujah. Worship team. Father, we give you praise for this truth. We give you praise. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 